Independent, totally biased, Hull Kingston Rovers. You are listening to the Red Robin Podcast with Joe Appleyard and Chris Johnson. Before we start the show tonight, we would like to send our best wishes to Hull KR Ladies player Vicky Buckle, who suffered a bleed to the brain in last weekend's game against Dewsbury. Myself and Chris send all our love to Mum Diane and partner Jodie, who posted on Twitter that the family are so grateful for the support and that Vicky has made good progress but is still in hospital and started her long road to recovery. Vicky Buckle, the whole of Hulkingston Rovers are behind you. Stay strong. Welcome to a jam-packed episode of the Red Robin podcast and what a week it has been both on and off the pitch with plenty of highs and plenty of lows. In this episode, we will discuss the fantastic victory at the DW, talk contract extensions for Lynette and Johnson and go into depth on Friday's controversial international match between England and the Combined Nations. Also on the show, we will discuss the impact of COVID-19 in the Rovers' camp and what it could mean for next week's Derby showdown. And could we see Marquee Man Blake Austin in the red and white next season? I am joined, as always, by co-host Chris Johnson, who is joining us from his five-star hotel in Basingstoke and regular guest on the show, Hulk AI reporter James O'Brien. It's going to be a busy show, lads. How are we doing, gents? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm doing very well, mate. I've just I've just realised that the hotel's actually got a mini bar in it. So, uh, but I don't know what I sound like at the end of the podcast. Rinsing the FA dry. <laughs> no comment. No comment, James. Thank you for coming on the show, mate. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I think we just Hello. need to start. You know, we've, we've got plenty of highs, plenty of lows, like I mentioned. But you was at the match. You was complaining about football. You missed the most boring game in the world, England, <laughs> Scotland. And you saw Rovers pick up two points at Wigan. How good was it, mate? I know. I was, I was, I was moaning, wasn't I? And it, it's funny how things turn out because um, I got the better end of the deal by far, didn't I? Um, you did? Yeah. Incredible night, really. It just show, I think there were about four or five Rovers fans there, I think, um, behind, the, behind the post where, where, they, where it would usually be packed. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame in that respect that no fans were there. It's typical, isn't it? You wait 12 years and then... One man and his dogs there to witness it, but yeah, it was a it was a pretty special performance, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't. I think it just shows how far all Kingston Rovers have come at the moment. And Chris, you know, for us at home, we ain't missing games, don't we? We've been lucky enough to get to a few of the away games so far. But that performance, it, forget the attack and all that free flowing play. When you go into it without Corbin Sims and Jordan Abdul, who was fearing the West, we never really do well at Wigan anyhow. But that defence. That is the defence that you that champions defend like that. Goland D from the likes Matty Stoughton was unbelievable. Dean Adley, the middle of the part men, absolutely dominate dominated Wigan's part men, and it was fantastic to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think we called it in the last last podcast we did, didn't we? Where we said you know normally we travelled to Wigan with a patched up squad, and we and we uh, you know on a Friday night, and and often more often than not we're on the back of a hiding, aren't we? And 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 to be fair, mate, when I saw the uh, who was missing pre you know pre kickoff, I thought here we go again. This is this has got 
the writing's on the wall here. And it, and it, do you know what? Full credit to them lads for putting in uh, not only uh, a performance where they competed, but a performance to win the game. I think it full credit to them. And uh, it's probably uh, pleased Tony Smith in a lot of respects because he, he he's showing that some of these players have got versatility and, and they can slot in. And I think what it's really shown is, is that togetherness and that spirit in the camp that, even through adversity, that they're able to ground out a win. Something that, I must admit, mate, we've not seen for a long time in the Rovers side. No, we aren't. And you mentioned that word, adversity. I think there was a lot from the ref as well, James. Obviously, when you watch it on the Hour League app, the commentators were always biased. And it was Paul Sculthorpe, absolute Saints legend. And he was big enough. We're getting every 10 seconds the same Rovers were fatigued. But no wonder all the defensive work they had to do. That George King yellow card. Do you think it was just because of the amount of penalties? Do you think, was it a team warning issue? Because the camera kept panning off on the hour league app and he only lifted his leg up. It didn't look serious, in my opinion. There, there was nothing in it, was there? Oh, no. um, very, very odd call. And I didn't see a team warning. I don't think anyone saw a signal. So, yeah, it just came completely out of the blue, didn't it? I know there were a flurry of penalties and six agains and what have you, but that incident was pretty innocuous, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know what he saw or what he felt he saw, but... There's nothing in it. Um, but yeah, it just seems to galvanise Rovers even more, didn't it? And then there was a right stint on the on, on their own goal line, as you've said. And then from there, you just go down the other end, get one chance, and then then you go in at half time ahead. I think very clinical when there weren't many opportunities, were they down Wigan's end? Um, but and then the halfbacks didn't have much chance. But when when they did, when they got the chance, they were, they were clinical and they put on a good player to well. Brangi were two good players in that first half for our time with that intercept and then the, the ball out to Ben Crooks and then the two kicks from Michael Lewis in the second yeah. half. So yeah. Do, do you think, James, that uh, Takarangi thrived being sort of thrown into that position because we saw a glimpse, didn't we, against Salford, that bit of flair, that bit of creativity, that bit of swagger, what he's got. And, and do you think that actually being thrust into that position on, on Friday night against Wigan actually benefited him? Because he seems to be very, very confident playing in that position, considering he's not done it for a long time. Yeah. Well, that Castleford pre-season friendly uh, was the last time, wasn't it? But he seemed very astute in that. He's very, he's a classy player, isn't he? He's just got classy touches. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet, and that's the exciting thing. I think there's a lot more to come from him. But you've seen in the little flashes that he's got, he's, he's just a classy player, as I say. Um, and he'll come up with those players for you. He did it. Remember that Greg Minikin one? I can't remember the game now. The old emergency one after a while. Uh, is it a league game with that footwork? He's got the footwork. Yeah. He's got the pass as well. And he's got the running game. I don't think we've seen too much of the running game yet, but I think he'll come into his own. I think he's been carrying a bit of a niggle um, for a few weeks. He's just about shaking that off now, obviously. We'll talk about it later, but Rovers are obviously playing this week. Um, so he's got a bit more time to rest up, but there's obviously a lot of other issues going on at the moment with COVID and what have you. So. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, good, it's good to see. And they've got threats all over the park now. On that edge as well as the other edge with Louis Johnson as well. He's shown a bit of what he's about with the ball and um, yeah, he's looking good in it. There's there's a lot of options. You've got the likes of um, Brooks come back in recently, Minikin's come back in, and they don't look out of place at all. Do they look like all well, they are experienced campaigns and got a lot of quality as well? And we saw that on Friday. I was going to yeah, say, Crooks. Sorry, I was going to say about Crooks. Because I think over the last few weeks, we've really seen, you know, he was criticised for his defence, wasn't he? Yeah. But we've really seen the best of him in terms of his finishing. Um, and, and obviously, he's one of the players out of contract. So it'll be interesting to see where his future lies because 
I don't know. He's a, for me, he reminds me of, you know, if I know we mentioned football a bit on the podcast, but he's a bit like a poacher. He's a finisher. Get him near that trial line and, and he'll score you a try. And and I think sometimes they're worth the weight in gold, players like that who can score. So, you know, I'm really pleased that Crooks has, you know, maybe put that adversity behind him in terms of his defence and criticism he was getting because he looks very astute at the moment and, and, and he looks very good at scoring tries. He's, he's gone under the radar, right? Yeah, go on, James. Go on, buddy. Sorry. Yeah, he's gone under the radar. He's scored seven tries, and it's that's not in many appearances either, is it? He's probably going at the same rate as Ryan Hall in terms of tries to appearances. Um, so, yeah, he's gone under the radar. Like you say, he can finish and he can kick goals too, which is uh, yeah. a nice string to the bow because I was watching him in warm-up, and he didn't, well, the ones that I saw, he didn't slot one over from the sideline. So <laughs> he was hooking every single one to the left. And then, obviously, when it came to the crunch, he did it, and that, there's a lot about his character, I guess. Um, he's that kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah, I think him and Minikin worked really well together on that right-hand side. You know, we speak about the left-hand side and, yeah, and especially the defence on the right with Takarangi and Crooks or Minikin, whoever it's been. It was that jamming in and Rovers weathered the storm and that sliding defence. I don't know if it was Takarangi being in the middle of the park, edging it out a bit, Louis Johnson as well, or Kane Lynette. Um, I thought Minikin and Crooks went really well. And just on that kicking, it just adds more strings to his bow, doesn't it? I, can, I think Minikin's set to head back to Castleford, didn't he? But for Crooks, I think to, um, Tony really likes him. I can see him staying, maybe a one, two year deal. Obviously, there's been no announcement yet or anything like that. But I think because of his versatility, he comes under a lot of criticism, and rightly so in his defence sometimes. But that was definitely Ben Crooks. His best game. Rovers led 6 0 at half time. Chris Liam Farrell thought he'd gone over, but real, really good, determined last ditch, ditch tackle led by Kane Lynette. And then a bit of magic. Kick from Mikey Lewis, who was back in the squad. Firstly, what did how did you think Mikey went, mate? And secondly, how good is the top try scorer in Super League, Ryan Hall? Sorry, is that to me or Chris? I thought Chris, was... sorry, James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, coming. no, I, I was going to say, mate, I think, I think, um, the bubble wrong nicely, aren't they? Uh, you know, if you talk about Ryan Hall, what what is there to say about him? That's not already been said, and, and the fact he's top try scorer, and they can't get a sniff at the England squad is beggars belief, really, because Sean Wayne talks about picking a squad that's got experience, is performing at the moment, etc., etc. Well, hang on a minute, what's Ryan Hall doing? <laughs> you know, he, he tick, for me, he ticks every box. Um, and, and, you know, there was a few question marks, weren't there, whether we'd be getting a fully fit Ryan Hall. Maybe he's Ryan Hall sort of passed it a little bit because he's he's been over in Oz and he's had some bad injuries. And was he coming here for one last payday? Well, do you know what? He's blown that out of the water, hasn't he? Because he's, he's shown us he's hungry for it. And, and you know, to be fair, he's been getting good, some good service as well. You know, Ryan Hall's finished, you know, some good tries, but also he's been getting some really good service. And that, and that partnership with Kenny Dowell is really paying dividends for Rovers. So, no, Ryan Hall, I'm really impressed with him. Mikey Lewis, I'd be interested to hear what James thinks because I didn't think he, he played that great against Wigan. I know I know he created the try for Quinlan, fantastic piece of magic. Um, you know, and also not playing with the sort of first choice halfback partner is always difficult. I, I, I still think he, he he sometimes looks, I don't know, out of his depth a little bit. But you, you've got to put in context where he's in his career and, and where Rovers was on the night. So... Yeah, I think Michael Lewis, he, he did he did enough and he contributed to the victory. I wasn't overly impressed, that's all I'd think. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, at the time, 
Um, it's hard when it's all happening so fast, but I'd, I'd be giving him a good rating. Obviously, the Man of Steel um, analysts were there as well. He gave him three points, didn't he? Um, it might have been Paul Schoolhope, actually, because he was there. I don't know if he's on the panel. I think he is. Um, but, yeah, th- there are concerns over his defence. I think the, the the feeling within the club is that he needs a bit more game time in the in the championship, a bit lower down against experienced campaigners. Um, to, to work on his defence more than anything, but also other aspects of his game. I mean, there's no question he's a great runner with the ball um, and he plays what he sees in that respect. But in terms of the other aspects of his game, I think he's he's still somewhere short of Super League, being Super League ready. Um, but that's no slight against him. He's, 19-year-old, he's a 19-year-old kid, isn't he? So he's got a lot of development in him. It's a big ask for any 19... There's not many 19-year-old halfbacks running around in, in, on either side of the world, really. So. No. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot more. Like I said, there's a lot more development in him, and, and a, a low move would would do him good. Mm. It was obviously yeah, going to be. It was going to be. Say, Joe, a low move are doing good as long as they play him in the halfbacks and not at bloody fullback. <laughs> yeah, <That's laughs> of, yeah, that was a bit of a waste of time on it in that respect because yeah. they wanted him to work on his edge edge defence, and you're not going to do that when you when you're playing at fullback. No, I just think they look a bit. They're not disjointed. Obviously, I know Taka came in and Abdul was out, but I feel like with Milnes, he's not. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but he is a bit of a passenger with Abdul. He, he does the basics. He gives he gives it to Abdul. Whereas Mikey, I feel like he got caught about five, six times, and he does all this running because there's no fluidity in his game. And I like you said, James. I'd love him to go get um. You know, like even depends how many how long done it because obviously he went to York for a month. There is these two week deals. I'd like to get him playing consistently where he can become a leader and work on his defence, like you said. But, you know, he's got aspects to him and he, he brings a bit of magic like that kick that we'll go on to. But, Chris, when Rovers were 12-0 up, 70 minutes, we can do a shift play, we get caught short. Um, Oliver Gildart, that first game of 20-21, he goes over. Next set, a dubious try because Liam Marshall was about two metres offside. And I think next year when we've got video refs at every game, that had definitely been chopped off. But Rovers were then... 12-8 up with nine minutes to go. And the old Kingston Rovers of old had a lost that and bottled it, Chris, but they didn't. And then Mike, we mentioned that man, Mikey Lewis. Nice little player from Jez. We get the settler. Mikey takes it on the left-hand side. Little inside kick. Adam Quinlan goes over. And that was the game done and dusted. Rovers were taking the two points. And that is just probably an implication of how far Rovers have come when it, the pressure gets on. So your DW, four or five Rovers fans there. You're heavily underdogs and they can respond. We're nine minutes to go. They've done so much defending, but they had that heart, that pride and passion to go the other end and score and beat the runners-up of last season. Super League, Chris, brilliant result. Yeah, I think, to be fair, mate, I think it was always inevitable that Wigan were going to score. I mean, what was it? What Was it in the first half where I was defending somewhat like set, seven seven consecutive sets? Yeah. You know, we're gonna, so it was always going to be inevitable Wigan were going to score. And, and you're right, mate, Rovers of old would have probably crumbled and we'd have all been talking you know, on the podcast tonight about what a great effort it was from Rovers, but ultimately we fell short. And, and maybe that is the shift in mindset that, that we've been talking about for a long time about, actually, it's not acceptable to go to Wigan on a Friday night with a depleted squad and just accept a loss. Actually, let's look at trying to win the game and, and doing what we can and... That that mindset seems for me seems to have, uh, have changed massively, um, and you know you look at it, it is a fantastic result, and that's with a player Simbin as well. I mean, James, come on, the, you I know you've been covering Rovers for a few years now, but there probably many performances like Fridays that um, you can recall where 
our backs were against the wall and we've managed to come away with a, with the two points. No, absolutely not. I, I was panicking when it got back to, it was 12-8, wasn't it? And I thought, it was hard because like the, the fans were back, obviously their first game back at the DW, they, they were right behind Wigan at that point for the only time in the night, really. Um, and everything were in, in Wigan's, Wigan's favour, you, you think about the juice that KR lost in that first half, particularly towards the end. Um, it's just really impressive the way that the they just steadied themselves. They had a really good settling set, maybe a couple of sets, I think it was. And then Michael Lewis, I mean, how many halfbacks would have drilled that into touch next to the corner flag? Um, but he sees something on there and he's he's got the balls to to nail it. So it was really impressive in that respect. Obviously, the fullback could pick it up and go the length of the field, then you look like an idiot. But he, he, believed, he backed himself to, to execute and he did. It was a perfect kick, kick and a great finish by Quinlan. And then it's game over. Yeah. Uh, James, yeah, like, like, James it, and, like Chris mentioned, mate, obviously you, you when you started reporting, was it, it correct me if I'm wrong, was Tony Smith in charge or was it just the back end of Tim Sheens? Uh, it was Sheens. My, my first game in, uh, in uh, covering the club was that whole derby over Easter. Right. Oh, lucky, lucky you. But um, <laughs> obviously you've seen... I, I, I was a bad omen for a while. but It was. Well, yeah, was... if that's your first game, mate, you was fucking definitely a bad omen. <laughs> Chris, can you stop swearing? I know you're on that minibar in Basingstoke, but... <laughs> and I sound like Dave Bishop now, aren't I? <laughs> you are. I was going to say that the Rovers are winning in a lot of different ways, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah. Which is the most impressive thing. They're not just... They can entertain. They've got that flair, but like the win at Cass and the win at Wigan, they've shown they can dig deep when they're, uh, when they're after it as well, which is really impressive. And even in spells like in the league game and stuff, they've... They could have folded in previous years when Lee got back. There was somehow 12 all at some stage, weren't they, after half an hour? I don't know how. Because they got absolutely battered. But, yeah, they just didn't let it get to them and they, they ended up running away with that one. So that's the most impressive thing for me, that they're winning in a lot of different ways at the moment. Obviously, we'll come to COVID. I don't know what impact that's going to have on the momentum, but hopefully mm. everyone comes through it unscathed. Yeah, and just to go back, mate, obviously, like I said, you've seen Tony Smith take over. Sam, probably a depleted squad, people he didn't really want, but because of Rovers' position and all the middle eights and then the no relegation, you know, scraping who we can get. Is the Tard finally turning? You mentioned Stanley Jean's defensive efforts, coaching Danny Maguire, his recruitment. You're there, obviously not there every day, but you see a lot of the insight in the club that many people don't. What's different about this old Kingston Rovers team? We're sitting in six. Yeah, we're not getting carried away. We're getting some brilliant results and the Tard is turning. We are becoming a more consistent team. Is this the tur- is this the Smith and Maguire effect? Is it the leaders, the overseas quarter players? What's different in your opinion from when he first took over? I think injuries have got a lot lots of yeah. there. I know they've got a few, but there's consistency in selection. I mean, up until that wing game, the, the left edge played every single game together and probably every single minute together of those first um eight, nine games. So yeah, that, that's massive. Um and there weren't many changes like last last season and the season before you you're having like five six changes to the squad and then four or five changes to the team you you squad um selections all over the place but this this year it's a lot more settled there's only one or two changes for every game and that's absolutely massive having that continuity and like i say they obviously got that sprinkle sprinkling of quality now aren't they brian all's just hit the ground running takarangi showing what it's all about um they haven't they haven't got much out of the prop shit of the betty and sims but They'll come good. Um, yeah, I think it's just a combination of things, really. Like I say, a bit, a bit of luck at long last, which is looks like it might run out, sadly. But um, yeah, I think it mostly just down to that continuity and 
selection and um, just a bit more belief. You getting that first win and then getting back-to-back -back wins, which we hadn't done since 2018. That was massive. And then just knocking off these first, really, that like that first win in Wigan for 12 years. That, that's massive for him as well. So yeah, it's just all about building. And then things are obviously moving off the field as well, and the match and the ambition on the field off it. Yeah. Definitely to Blake Austin later. Yeah, well, James, James, before we go on to that, you mentioned injuries. One player that I wanted you just to, to mention was Albert Vette and, mm. and the impact he made against Wigan because obviously losing Corbin Sims, we needed another frontline forward. Obviously, Will Mars been been growing into growing into the side. You know, there's a lot of doubts about Will Mar, but he seems to be so he seems to be ending his place in the team. But Albert Vette, how big a how important was it for him to come back in that into that Wigan game? Yeah, I, th I thought he did all right. I, I read a few comments saying he, he looked so unfit and stuff like that, which I think is a bit unfair. He's been out for two months and it, um, he was on the back foot as soon as he came over. I think he had an hamstring injury just before I came over. So he's been playing, I think we mentioned this last time, he's been playing catch-up since then. I, I think he did his job. There, there are a few strong carries in there. Obviously, he's not up to, to full speed yet, which, which you wouldn't expect after being out for two months. But I think he did his job and um, he gets a quick play of the ball, doesn't he? He finds his front, gets a quick play of the ball. He's, he's pretty solid in defence. He takes some stopping when he gets up ahead of steam as well. So I like him. I just think he just needs to stay injury-free, a bit of luck, and then I think we'll see the best of him, hopefully, as we get into the season. I know I pretty much wrote his season off last time we spoke, um, <laughs> but I think, I think he has he has got something to give this season. And it, it's, it's important, as you say, when... Robin Sims out to have that extra body and um, hopefully we'll see him on the field at the same time at some point. Yeah, I've played many minutes together this season so far. No, no, I don't think we have, mate, and it'd be nice to see. So, guys, that was Wigan Warriors 8, Hulkingston Rovers 18, a fair, um, 12 years since Rovers beat Wigan at the DW and the historic win last week. Shows Rovers are doing everything right on the field and like James mentioned, we are heading off the field for the next section and it's out of contract time. Obviously, we've still got a few players out of contract for next season that we'll go into, but we know two people who have signed. We mentioned Sean Kennedy, the skipper last year, um, last week, signed a year deal. And it was that um, Ulkingston Rovers have put it there. They're delighted to announce Kane Lynette has signed a one-year extension with the club with the option to extend. And then just last night, Louis Johnson, the youngster, came on a swap deal for Robbie Mulhern from Warrington, who's been outstanding this year, has signed a two-year contract extension with the club. Chris, I'll come to you first, mate. In my opinion, two really good bits of business. I think if it was looking, when the Toby King incident was going on, it was like, who's going to go? Lynette, Kenny Dowell. Obviously, King never worked out. To keep both of them, yeah, they're coming to the back end of the career, but so experienced, still fit. Net don't rarely miss games due to injury. Touch wood, that carries on. But Kane Lynette's been outstanding. I think he's fourth in the Super League try scoring charts. Unbelievable form, such a leader. And Louis Johnson, totally different one. 22 years of, um, of age. I think he's only played about four games, professional games, in four years of being um, in the Warrington setup. So he's had to come to Rovers, get some loan deals. He signed permanent last season. Now he's got a two-year extension with the club and he loves working with Tony Smith and Danny Maguire. And apparently, I listened to the interview on OKR TV, said he's always asking questions. He's eager to learn. He knows he's doing well, but there's so much potential in Louis Johnson. Chris, Happy with them two extensions, mate? Yeah, I think so, mate. You know, at the end of the day, you look at the stats, James is the stat man. I'm sure he'll fill you with more than I can, but uh, Kane Lynette, he, he's up there, isn't he, with some of the leading players in Super League in terms of metres, uh, you know, tries, etc., etc. So, 
I think it was a, a shrewd piece of business to time down. And obviously, he nailed his colours to the mask early on, didn't he, when he said he wants to be an old Kingston Rovers player for at least the next season. So I think it was, you know, I, I put him in the same mould as Maurice Blair and even, dare say, Clint Newton, Ben Galea. Just a really steady second rower who, who, who produces, you know, week in, week out. And, and, I think that's the greatest compliment you can give him when you start talking about him in the same echelons of, of Clint Newton, Bengalier, Maurice Blair, because they're players who are fondly remembered by Rovers fans. So I think that's the best thing. And, and Lewis Johnson's the future, isn't he? You know, we're, we're bringing a player to Rovers who, who hadn't had much Super League experience. He had his loan spell at Rovers and showed us a little glimpse of what he can do. But... He's really coming on. Tony Smith trusts him. He's working hard uh, with him to improve his game. What we've seen from him is he's really good. He's got really good footwork and he's got a lot of energy. And and now you can't imagine the team without him in it because he, he's he's pretty unassuming. But actually, you miss him when he's not there. So I think it's two really good bits of business. And and Rovers are tying down the players who, who are making a difference not only now but could potentially make a difference for next season, the season beyond that. Yeah, do you agree, James? Yeah, absolutely. Kane Lynette's just Mr. Consistency, and I think he's a at least a seven out of ten every week. And I know fans will probably be looking through my rate and saying, "Well, you give him a five against Catalan <laughs> last year," but um, he, he is that that kind of guy. Just Mr. Dependable. Um, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. He's reliable and he's a he's a threat, and he scores tries. I think the a scoring forward in the competition, which says everything really. Um, solid in defence, he, he, he came up with a massive tackle the other night, I, I can't remember who it was on, he just held on to him just about when Wigan were putting that pressure on, uh, yeah, and part of that left edge as well, just, um, they've got so many threats amongst them, and Abdul was, was a big loss the other night, But the, and I think that took away from Lynette in attack and, and Sean Kennedy a bit as well, um, but yeah, it's just so exciting to have those four together for next year at least next year. Um, and on the other side, as you mentioned, Johnson, who's very athletic, uh, showed what he's all about. He's very solid in defence. He's getting there. That right edge is really tightening up and he's, he's central to that. Again, he, he, it was a massive tackle from him the other night, wasn't it? That held up over the line. So I think he's he's better in defence than attack at the moment, but he's shown glimpses at the same time of what he's about in attack. Like you say, he's got that footwork. I think it was that game, was it against Leeds, where he left a couple of Leeds defenders on the backside. So he's got that in his game and he looks like he's got a frame to build into as well while not taking away from that athletic a bit of speed and footwork that he's got. So, yeah, it's exciting times. And I think that right edge is going to catch that left edge up at some point And that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, let's hope so, mate. I mean, out of contract players and it's such a, what we mentioned when you was last on the podcast, you get five or six games into the season and it's already all you build who you're buying, there's rumours going round. Obviously, we know that a lot of the people who are staying, Rovers have got about five or six still off contracts. It look, looking like Greg Minikin and George Waller will be heading with Lee Radford to Castleford, so they won't be in red and white next year. Do you think Rovers, the retention list, they're maybe going to look at elsewhere now because you've got people like Jimmy Carnhorse, Owen Harrison, who's probably going to get released, the rumours are. But there's still a massive, massive name, probably the biggest name, the key of Ulkingston Rovers at the minute, Matt Parcell. It's such a talking point. People are praying. It's making me laugh, including me, every time a contract gets announced. It's great. That's brilliant. Get Parcell. Yes. And 
I think Rovers are just begging that he stays if it's a year or two. I'd love to see him long term, but how good, firstly, James before Chris, Matt Parcell, Rovers need him long term because at the moment, him and Jez working brilliantly together and I'm just praying, I'm hoping that Parcell is still in East Hull next year. Um, I think you might get your wish there. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to give too. Much, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. I, I, well, I heard the rumor, mate, and I wanted you to kind of confirm it. Yeah. No, he will. He will be at OKR next season, which is massive, isn't it? Um, yeah. And it's Huge, mate. I put that stick or twist email out. Uh, email uh, story out the other the other week about overseas players, and now there's only Adam Quinlan who's left. They've, they've put the faith in the guys who are doing the job this season, and they are doing a really good job, aren't they? All of them, Kenny Dowell, Lynette, and and Parcello has been massive. There was never any doubt about his quality. If you saw him in 2017, I think he he scored a ridiculous number of tri- tries. It was somewhere in between 10 or 15, maybe even more. But Flees, when they went to the grand final, got in the dream team. But then joined, I think he fell out of favour there. Went, he was behind um, Brad Dwyer in the pecking order one day. For some reason, I don't know why, because I think Parcello's the better out of the two. Obviously comes comes to Rovers and then has has a great debut against Hull, then does his shoulder against Leeds late on, and then he, he will like that for him for eighteen months after that. I mean, just on and off injuries, he could never get going. But this season, obviously, Rovers are seeing the best of him. Um, such a threat out of dummy half, um, and in defence as well, he gets through so much work without the ball that probably goes under the radar. But it's obviously what it brings in attack that. Mm. That catches the eye and he's one of the best around coming out of acting half and Chesley is not far behind him. So I think I've said before there, the jewels and the crown, aren't they? Those two. I just hope that they find the right balance of giving Jez enough game time as well and keeping him up because he's just signed a long term term deal himself. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Jez get a bit more game time, but it's pretty hard, isn't it, when Matt Parcells out there bossing it for, for the first hour. <laughs> I think what he's doing, Chris, obviously, if Matt Parcell's not working for some reason or he's a bit tight because he's doing 40 tackles, Jez will play more minutes. But because Matt Parcell's so good, and let's talk about this situation, if you ignore that last minute and in a perfect world, it is confirmed to him, or if it is happening, just how vital is that for all Kingston Rovers? For me, we're not confirming anything yet, guys. Don't take our word for it. But if Matt Parcell is in Hulkingston Kingston Rovers colours in 2022 and beyond, Chris... That's made my night. Yeah, well, to be fair, he's another player who's producing me, and obviously, he, he, him, and Jez Litton, Tony Smith's got a, a, you know, a bit of a dynamic going on there, aren't he? With the two, you know, often we've seen often already this season where the both of them being on the pitch at the same time. I think the last few games we've started to see Parcel play a lot more minutes um, compared to Jez Litton, so. Uh, maybe he's starting to trust Parcel a bit more in that in that hooker position. But at the end of the day, mate, he's one of the best players in the team and he's performing. So why wouldn't you want to tie him down? You yeah. know, because I think what Rovers and and this is me reading in between the lines. I think we're going to have a bit of a quiet summer next year in terms of signings, and I think I think they're going to try and go with what we've got now, and and we're maybe on a two year plan here in terms of you know this season will be. You know, get as high as we can next season. The mission will be to get better, uh, be better than this season. 
And, and I think continuity is key to that. So I won't expect there to be a raft of changes in, in summer, which is why we're trying to tie players down so early with the contracts, especially with the overseas players that we've got. So, um, But I think Parcells is key to that because we're, we're building and... and like we said before, mate, Parcel's such a good age. You know, I think I, I I forgot how young he was. I thought, you know, when we swapped him for Sean Lund, I thought, hang on, are we is the deal here because Parcel? We lost you there, Chris. Age, to get rid of him. He was, I think, he was only twenty. What was it? How old was he when we signed him? Was he twenty six or twenty seven? Twenty six. He must be because he's twenty eight yeah. now. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. So what? What a fantastic age he is. Yeah. So. All credit to Rovers if 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 we have got him tied down within <laughs> you know, but if we have got him tied down, I think it's a fantastic coup. And uh, what I'm I wonder, James, if you could share any more light on you know, we we are tying these players down, but I wonder if they're getting any interest from clubs in Super League. No, there's not been much much talk of that. I think I spoke to Jordan Abdul when when he signed his and there was a bit of interest there, but only tentative interest. I think these clubs just know that they they want to stay at OKR because there's, there's a good thing happening. That's that's great, that isn't it though? Like honestly, like if Abdul had been playing well a few years back, he'd have gone to a bigger club, and I think that you know you reap the rewards. We're, we're only halfway through a season, and we're having a decent season. We're in, you know, we're sitting six. We're playing really well. You know, no wonder these teams like Saints and Wigan retain these players because the, you can see some that's happening. The buying into it, especially these overseas players, and Obviously, Chris, you just mentioned there, mate, that um, it might be a quiet summer. Obviously, we've been linked with a few homegrown players. Um, we've got one quarter spot left if Matt Parcell um, is with Old Kingston Rovers next year. That would mean Adam Quinlan at the moment has not signed a deal. And that's looking pretty unlikely due to the, sh- um, the, sh- the shock. Well, I'll call it shocking news because of how it came about. I was just sat. Um, and I got the email through. And that's that Hulkingston Rovers have tabled a contract to Warrington Wolves, Marquee Man, Blake Austin. Rugby League Live understands the Robins have launched their latest ambition in the recruitment by attempting to lure the Australian to the club with his contract at Warrington set to expire. Rovers are understood to have offered vastly reduced terms in comparison to Austin's current contract at the Wolves, which is thought to be in the region of £300,000 a year, which is just two grand less than Chris. It's thought <laughs> that the Robins have offered a six-figure salary that would see him become the club's top one of the club's top earners next year. James, before I go to you, mate, Chris... Obviously, Blake Austin, we know he's played for Great Britain and we know that farce that happened with the elegant, same as Jackson Hastings and we'll go on to the combined nations soon. Blake Austin would still class as the quarter spot. So if that if Rovers have offered this contract and it's true, that obviously means if Matt Parcell's signed, Adam Quinlan's out the door. This is such a big talking point and I want to spend a bit of time on it because there's so many options. You've, you've got Blake Austin, who's predominantly an halfback, but he's played at fullback, even played on the wing for Great Britain, but we won't go into that. If Blake Austin signs, where do you put everyone for next season? Because, I mean, there was a little rumour about Jamie Shaw from all, but I don't think that, that dance come out, and I thought it would if it was Rovers and all, and, you know, all's a hotbed in it for rumours. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but would Austin play at fullback for you? Would Mikey play at fullback? Would you push Abdul to 13? You know, there's so many talking points. But how good is it that we are now linked with one of Super League's best players? Because on his day, and at the moment, if George Williams wasn't going to Warrington, Blake Austin would probably be there. They're, they're going marquee on George Williams, who's back from Canberra now. But if we see Blake Austin next year, I know we need to go big, and I know we're still missing a few forwards. But if Austin wants to come to Old Kingston Rovers, you can't turn 
a player of his calibre down. He's, he's a bit like a Gascoigne, isn't he, um, of his of football. You know, he's just off the cuff. He can create magic like that. And I think, you know, if this happens, it's a massive, massive coup and fair play to the recruitment team, Danny Maguire and Paul Lakin. Yeah, mate, but for that, that is the shittiest comparison I've ever had. Blake Austin and Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> Who would you compare him to? Uh, uh, you because you played at Wembley <laughs> <laughs> but I agree I think Joe that the, the, the key to it is would is Blake Austin better than what we've got already because I've and, and I've seen some things on social media and you know what thanks to everyone who has responded to us on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook because obviously we've put out about Blake Austin and, and a lot of people are saying stick up. we want to stick with Mikey Lewis we want to stick with Rowan Mills we're building something but it's a tough business, mate. And the era now is Blake Austin is better than Mikey Lewis and Blake Aust- um, Roy Milnes. So if he's in the market and, and we've got the opportunity to sign him, I think you, you know, it would be crazy not to bring him in. Where he plays is a big dilemma because, you know, the jury's out on what's his best position, whether it's full-back, whether it's in the halves. Um, I can tell you what, mate, it's definitely not on the wing. He's definitely not coming to play on the wing. Uh, that That's for sure. But... You know, the fact Rovers are in the market for these kind of players is fantastic. I think, you know, there was a lot of talk early on in the season. Warrington were going to bomb him out. He was maybe available on loan, etc., etc. Well, he's shown to Warrington fans um, how valuable he is because he's been playing well for them. So, um, I'd, I'd love it if we get him over the line because I think he's a, a player who had real value to us. And, you know, I, I'm not sure where he plays because if Quinlan's going, that's leaves a massive hole for us to fill. Is Blake Austin the answer at full-back? I don't know, because if he does sign, who's the other options? Will Dagger, Mikey Lewis? Are you really that confident about them playing there and, and, and staking a claim for that, that spot for the full season? I don't know. Um, but it, it's great, mate, that we're, we're being linked with them. So, you know, the, the story broke on, on Hull Live and, and we've uh, reached. So, James, maybe you could shed a bit more light on, on where we are with it. Yeah, there's a, there's an offer on the table. Yeah, he's obviously weighing that up at the moment. It's Blake Austin. Um, it's it's a long way short of what it's on at the moment, as you've as Joe said. But he's going to get nowhere near that three hundred. Well, near enough three hundred grand a year. He's not. He's going to really come to terms with the fact that he's not going to do that now. He's not going to pick up a marquee contract anywhere else, and the money he's on is going to be. He'll be lucky to get half of what he's on now. I believe Rovers are offered around 130 grand, which is a sizable offer, obviously. Um, it'd just be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think he's got, well, he hasn't got any other offers on the table at the moment. Leeds are the only other club that have expressed an interest, but they're looking at other options. So, yeah, it's just whether he wants to make, make the, the move over to East Hull. It, it, it's an interesting one. Like, you, like you've touched on, the, where, where will he play? I think he's got. I think he's got to play in their halves, but then, as you say, does that block the pathway of Lewis and Milnes? But as you said, I've, I've written a piece for the morning, and I've, I've said pretty much what, what you've said, Chris, that will he improve Rovers next season? I don't think there's any doubt he will. But at the same time, he's going to block that pathway, but that's not the end of the world for those those kids. that They'll still be at the club or they'll be on loan somewhere getting the experience they need and their time will come, the 29th, well, Milnes is 21 and Lewis is 19, so they've got so much rugby in them. And I think for, for a couple of years, Blake Austin running the right edge and Jordan Abel on the on the left, it's, a, it's an exciting prospect. 
book your old travel hotel here, Chris. <laughs> you still here, Chris? Can you hear us? He's in the minibar, I think. I was just, yeah, I was just checking out. I was just filling up the glass, mate. Sorry, what did, did <laughs> can't have said anything interesting, surely. It's <laughs> not being big and clever because you're getting your free beers. But anyhow, so we will move on, guys. Obviously, we've got a lot to speak about, but that is the news that all Kingston Rovers have offered a contract to Warrington Wolves marquee man Blake Austin. Remember to get in touch with us your opinions on the big move. We've gone from all the highs, the rumours, the exciting news, and now we're going to go, you know, a little bit off key. We're going to go to the negative news. Obviously, it was announced that Old Kingston Rovers would knew they'd picked up a few COVID positive tests. We were over Milnes, Corbin Sims got it on the day of the game. That's why he wasn't playing against Wigan. And the news that we all knew was probably going to happen on Monday. It was kind of a quick turn around 8, 8 a.m. It was like, what we're going to do? It might be getting postponed. And then there was a statement at Nan. Um, that the game against St Helens on Friday had been called off. Obviously, we don't know as much as you, James, so you can really take the lead on this one, mate. What's the situation at the minute? Because I know you've spoke to Tony and the implements, not just on this game, which is such a shame because Rovers are on form, um, on good form. We're playing St Helens at home. There would have been that issue of the um, combined nations that we'll speak about last. It's such a shame. But more importantly, next Thursday's derby, there's a massive, massive doubt. Yeah, I can't see how that's going to go ahead at this stage. Yeah. Um, there, there has, Tony mentioned there has been more positives. He won't go into detail on how many. Obviously, there's a legal situation. I think last year he named, he might name Will Tate or someone else. But apparently, legally, you're not allowed to name them anymore. So that's why it's all a bit cloak and dagger with. When you patient confidentiality, in it. Yeah, I think so. But he, yeah. yeah, you think if they're not bothered, it'd be all right. But apparently not. Yeah. So that's why all these stories are a bit cloak and dagger and the club have been a bit, um, yeah, but that, that's just the situation with that really. But yeah, in, in terms of how many have got it, we don't know that he was five at the last count on it on Monday. I think that's gone up now. So uh, the first one who was infected might might be back for next week, but I think it would only be the day before or even the day of the game that he's allowed to play. So you're looking at near enough seven out already. So I, I just can't see how it's going to be played. And then the rest who are in isolation, those other guys identified as close contacts, they'd only come out on Tuesday next week, which is two days before the game. So <laughs> I just don't see how it, how it goes ahead. And if it so does for us, it's going to be down to, down to the bare bones. And then you've got to back up in, in Perpignan on Monday, which is which is just ridiculous, really. But yeah, I, I, it's hard to see that game, game going ahead at the moment as well. I was gutted, Chris, when it got announced, mate. You know, we're on good form. Obviously, there was the combined nations, but it's so disappointing. You, we want to play the champions now. We've just beat Wigan. I know health comes first, and, you know, we wish everyone who's got it and the close contacts all the best, and we hope it's not as serious as it has been in the opening, you know, year or so of COVID, and we hope to see him back on the field sooner, whoever it is. But it's just disappointing, isn't it, because... You roll all these vaccines out. It looks like you're getting somewhere. The pubs are open and you can start living a bit more freely. And then you'll the extension happens from Freedom Day, another month. And then God knows what's happened. The cases are rising. And unfortunately, there's already been three or four and probably more to come. Game's been called off and it's just like being in April 20, um, April 2020 again. And it's so disappointing. Rovers are on a roll. It's been great to be back in the stadiums. And then this is just a bit of a kick in the teeth, especially with the hot prospects of next Thursday's derby, which, like James said, let's be realistic, I'm expecting it to be called off by, you know, Monday. 
Yeah, and I think there's two elements come into play, mate. There's the emotional side in terms of us as supporters, absolutely desperate for Rovers to play. You know, I'd love to see Rovers play St. Owens on Friday because I think we'd have a great chance of beating them. You know, yeah. take away take away the England exiles fast. But I, I reckon even if St. Owens had their, you know, strongest team, I, I reckon we could go toe-to-toe with them. So it's devastating we're not there. The other side is the, the real financial implications this has got for the club. Because don't forget the grand plan was to um, install the temporary seat in the south stand to accommodate all the members um, during COVID restrictions and then open it up for the St. Ellen's and the Derby game to then try and maximise on that and get as much money back in, which would actually probably pay for the pay for the temporary seating. Well, that's all gone. It's all, So Rovers, Rovers have got a real financial um, hardship that they're facing now because of the of these games not being played, because we've not gone out of lockdown to, uh, or, or the restrictions have not totally lifted. So if you look from it from a commercial point of view, it's really going to bite the club. Uh, and you know, as a supporter, I'm gutted. I'm gutted we're not playing. I'm, I'm gutted for the players. I think the players are chomping at the bit. I'm gutted because also I don't think these games will end up getting played either. With the World Cup at the end of the year, I think that the opportunity to rearrange these games is getting less and less. So I don't even think we'll see the St. Helens and in, in uh, Old game rearranged because we've introduced the, the the percentage points percentage, which is farcical in its own right. And then you could. Give, give me half an hour to talk about that. How we how we have more points than the the bin dippers and yet stayed below them in the table. Fucking hell, what's all that about? Anyway, but I'm gutted, mate. I'm gutted for the club because um, I think the club really were looking forward to welcoming fans back and welcoming fans back in big numbers. And I'm gutted for the players because I think they really wanted to play and I, and I think it's it's just a sad situation all around. I think, like Chris just said, James, where do we fit these fixtures in? And you mentioned yeah. if Dance is off, if Hull gets called off, and then we've got to go to Perpignan on the Monday, which probably won't happen as well. That's three fixtures. We can't play on the Challenge Cup weekend because Saints are in the Challenge Cup final. We're already playing you know, numerous games in certain months when we've got five or six games, so there's midweek fixtures. And I'm just hoping that all this hard work could come back to haunt Rovers because if they don't fulfil the fixtures like Catalans last year, I know they was in a bit of a strong position and with Toronto dropping out, there was less teams. But Rovers could still be winning games, but because they're going to have to miss three games, there will, there'll be nowhere near the playoffs. Touchwood, that we're still competing and we can maybe get there. But that might all go to pot because we've played three, four less games than um, other teams. It's such a shame and it's... It's just a nightmare, and especially with all that positive news about all the vaccines working, we're nearly at Freedom Day, everyone excited and everything back open, and then this bombshell gets put on us, and now we might not be seeing Ulkingston Rovers for at least a fortnight, maybe three weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if it's a bit naivety or what, but I just didn't see it coming again. I didn't see this wave hitting Super League, like hitting the Leeds camp and then the Huddersfield camp, and obviously OKR now and probably more to come. I guess it's just because the younger generation, um, I'm just at the top of that, hopefully. <laughs> so just about. Um, yeah, they just haven't been vaccinated yet, have they? so I guess it travels a bit faster around the younger generation. But yeah, in terms of getting the fixtures in, I just don't, don't see when when they get... Yeah, there's just no gaps in the schedule. Is the, Like you say, you can't play St. Owens over Challenge Cup weekend. You could probably play a whole that weekend on the Friday, but then you'd, you'd really want to play on the Monday because if it... That is Freedom Day. It'd be similar to the Cast game where you'd 
you'd have that first day back, wouldn't you, with, with full mm. capacity. Yeah. But then Hull play on the on the Thursday night on Sky, so that rules that out pretty much. And then Rovers play on that, that Friday against Salford. Don't you think, though, yeah. James, the one thing that seems to have been forgotten about here is actually the player welfare. Because we're oh, on yeah. about, we're, I know we're talking here about fitting fixtures in here and there everywhere. And we've got the ridiculous situation now where you've got Leeds players potentially backing up on Friday and then playing Sunday, you know, it's a totally ridiculous situation. And if people, uh, you know, me and Joe spoke to Andrew Effingham yesterday, so on Saturday uh, we've got our latest Heritage cast coming out, and he talks about how that 2017 season when we got promoted, some of them players were playing through unbelievable pain, injuries, etc. And and the players seem to be forgotten about in a way because it's all right saying play here, play there, we can do this, we can do that. But that it's such a physical game that any any time where you've got to play with a, with a shorter gap than what four days, five days, it, it's just incredible. Um, and I, I honestly I can't see where these fixtures get. To, I don't think they'll get played again. I think they'll be written off, and and the season this season will be determined by uh, percentages again. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Tony Smith's obviously big on player welfare. He said that should be paramount and the the, the biggest biggest thing. Obviously, I think the biggest thing at the moment is finances. Of course, well, as far as the clubs are concerned, but I think that's got to change on it. He mentions the head injuries as well. Uh, if you're playing in, if you're playing under fatigue and in those those short gaps with the short turnaround, sorry, then that increases the risk of of head injuries as well. Not to mention the fact that if you do get head injury, you won't be able to play the next week and maybe not even the game after that if you've got three games in a week. So it's a very, very messy, very messy situation. I, I just don't see how the country really upset. They just need to get a grip, grip on the, uh, the COVID situation. I don't know. I think we spoke at the start about having tighter bubbles and stuff, but it's, it's a bit hard in Super League. I think you can do it in the NRL. Is there on enough money to be able to say to the partners, right, don't go to work or whatever? But over here, you're on quite modest salaries, aren't you? So you, your partner or whoever, they need to go out and work as well. Obviously, you've got your kids as well, so you can't stop them going to school. So, yeah, it's just one of those situations that you just got to keep your fingers crossed that that will go away eventually. Like I said, I'm, I'm sure there'll be more instances around the, the competition, but hopefully not too bad and get back on track. But as things open up and if we do get towards Freedom Day, then... And these players are vaccinated and what have you, then it's just going to be more and more cases, isn't it? I don't know how you stop it. There is, mate, and it's so sad. And it, just the way it goes around the RFL, it's it's very controversial. It's been such a controversial week, mate. You know, we're going to move on now. Obviously, that was all the COVID and St. Helens stuff. There is no game for all Kingston Rovers this week. It was supposed to be Friday night. There is a game on Friday night that has caught the attention of many, and that is England against the Combine Nations All-Stars. I'm going to name, name the teams first, guys, before we speak about all the implications. So England will line up. This is the squad, the 19 or 18 now, with Alex Wormsley dropping out. So it's John Bateman, Daryl Clark, Mike Cooper, Ben Curry, Tom Davis, Liam Farrell, Luke Gale, Ash Handley, Morgan Knowles, Reese Lynn, Johnny Lomax, Paul McShane, Tommy Makinson, Mikolai Ledsky, Joe Philbin, Stefan Ratchford, Sam Tompkins and Joe Westerman. And the Combined Nations All-Stars will start with England fullback or England wannabe fullback, Jake Connor, Kenny Edwards, Jackson Hastings, 
Liam Kay, Cruz Leeming, Ricky Latelli, Peter Matautier, Soani Matangi, Jermaine McGilvery, Junior Moores, Paulie Paulie, Nathan Peets, Matt Pryor, Chris Statte, Andre Savelio, Aidan Caesar, Ken Seo, Kalepi Taganoa, and finally Luke Yates. Chris, we've always mentioned it. We love England. We love international rugby. We, uh, you know, we love going to watch the games. I was looking forward to the World Cup this year, but what a farce this week has been, mate. Forget everything that's happened, all these games getting called off, the fitting an international fixture, that's pretty pointless. You've got players like Jermaine McGilvery, Jackson Hastings, Cruz Lehman and Jake Connor who have all represented England or Great Britain at some point. You've got Junior Moores who plays championship outfit Featherstone Rovers. Tim Sheens has said there was 30 to 40 players that have been, um, that he couldn't select due to obviously reasons that we know. It's just been a shame, hasn't it? Because you want England Rugby League to be positive and you want Rugby League to be put in a good light, but it really isn't with this RFL and the way it's gone about with all the fixtures, all the messing about. It, it, there's so much you can speak about, mate, but at the end of the day, it's a bit of a farce, isn't it? And I'm going to watch it on Friday just because I think it'll be entertaining and it's rugby and I'm looking forward to seeing how the England lads go against England. But just sum it up, mate, how are you feeling about it all? I, thought, I, I like the concepts, but... Oh, I, I do love it. This has been a car crash that's been that people have known was going to happen for months because as soon as Super League said that they were going to stage around the fixtures at the same time, well, the writing was on the wall, wasn't it? And and obviously what's happened is the last week or so you had COVID then you know decimate teams, which has meant the player pools even less. So, but. Fundamentally, it was never going to work because we don't have the talent pool that you see in other sports where you can you can accommodate an international fixture and host a round of club fixtures. We just don't have enough players to do it. Um, and for me, I'd, I, I want to play the game on a Friday. I'd have tried to fit it in midweek so you could potentially look at, you know, if Super League were clever, they could have fit, scheduled all the fixtures for a Friday then got England to play Wednesday and then maybe look at a Sunday fixture list. Um, I know that involves Sky because they they commit, they want their Thursday-Friday games. Maybe there could have been a deal agreed there, but I don't know. I've seen a lot of things wrote and spoken about and I've seen how, how you know, Super League clubs getting a lot of criticism saying, well, hang on, you've got to look at the bigger picture, the World Cup's coming. I personally don't think it's Hull Kingston Rose's responsibility to ensure that an international fixture gets played the same way I don't think it's Huddersfield, St. Ellen's, Wiggins, whoever's. It's not their responsibility. But fundamentally, there's a lack of leadership in the game. You know, in football, you see FIFA, UEFA, they set the international calendar. Clubs play to that. Everyone knows where they're at. It's set out for the next four, eight years, whatever the international calendar. Rugby league, fuck me, what is the, what, what is the calendar? <laughs> Nobody knows, hence how you get this situation. So, do you know what, mate? The, 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 we could spend hours talking about this because there is no easy solution to it. Because ultimately, International Rugby League is not as important as we want it to be. No. And I think it's always going to be the case, James. And you're looking at fixtures. You couldn't do it at the end of the season because all the Aussies and the New Zealanders, they go home. If, if you're out the playoffs, they get to go home early. So you won't be able to field the team. You'd have to play like an England B team or play one of the home nations. How have you found it? Because obviously there was rumours that Sheens has asked about SKD and Matt Parcell, which, had a, you know, they'd have played 100%. They're on fire. You could have even made an argument for Kane Lynette. Quinlan could have got in there. And... 
it's done Rovers a favour this COVID like in one reason that no players are going to be playing and we haven't got the risk of our best players being injured but it's such a shame that on Friday night people are waiting for it to be a mockery and Twitter will be blowing up and the second I know it don't mean much but they put it on Facebook and there was so many laughing emojis when you can like it and do all that thing on Facebook people want it to fail because of Ralph Rimmer and the fact that they've done everything if you go look at the academy the way it's all set up these point percentages everything that the RFL does is laughable and they don't do many things right and yeah, I agree. They've been pushed into a corner. Tim Sheens has had to pick a, a ropey squad and get people who could have been playing for England. It's just such a shame that the international game is a bit of a laughing stock because we're not the biggest sport in the world. And you look at Australia, look how they do it. They do mid you know, mid-season fixtures against the Kiwis or now Tonga and Samoa, these emerging nations. State of Origin, they played it last Wednesday and then they backed it up. It's this Sunday and then they'll go again on the Thursday and Friday. It just seems the, the Northern Hemisphere is run by clowns and it's just such a shame because it puts us in a bad light, mate. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just look at the different warm-ups this weekend. You've got England v, well, just a patched up squad made up of whoever they could get their hands on. And then you've got New South Wales against Queensland on Sunday, which is the other end of the spectrum in it, really. Um, I mean, <laughs> what can you say about it? Like, just a mad few days. I think, like you've said, it's a it's a good concept and it was a good idea at the time, but it needed to be on a, a standalone weekend. Not being helped by COVID anyway, I think there'd have been issues, even if it was a standalone weekend with players going into camp from different different environments and stuff like that. I still don't think that's a great idea, getting everyone together, coming out of how many, 10 different camps, I don't know how many Super League clubs are providing the players exactly. But yeah, it's a lot, going into two, two different camps at a time like this with all those different people mixing and stuff like that, it's, it's not the best idea and hopefully no repercussions from that. Um, but yeah, just the game itself, I, I don't know what England can get from it really. If you had all the NRL players here and you had your first, your full strength side, you could get something out of it. But just looking at the team, I don't know. Warms he pulled out today as well, didn't he? So, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think Sean Wayne's that desperate to get a game under his belt, which which it would be if you've been in the job, what, 16 months and you still haven't had a game in charge. But I don't I don't think he's going to learn a great deal. I don't, in terms of World Cup preparation, there's not much value to it, I don't think. Um, Joe, you, Joe, there's you more played, negatives than positives. Joe, you played rugby to a decent level. You might have mentioned it on previous podcasts, but Bellen. I, I bet there's been rep teams who've had more prep, preparation at youth level than the these international teams are playing. Because what are they having? Literally, is it one training session, one captain's run, and then the game? Yeah, I mean the training is. The train today, Sheens and Hastings were doing the interviews and stuff. It was a bit of a mess about, but yeah, I mean, when you got when you did like the Yorkshire and Lancashire and the the Cumbria, you'd go away for camps two weeks. Even like you mentioned, we mentioned with Andrew Heffernan, um, which that episode's out Saturday, guys, eight a.m. Listen to it, a great heritage cast. Um, he went on the country tour, didn't he? Like not even city and country. It was like just in his area. Came over to England, had three week preparation and stuff for a tournament back at, um, in the Southern Hemisphere and. It's just a patched up side. I think it's it is embarrassing for the game, and I, I don't know how it's going to go. It's just such a shame because you've got a lot of our caliber players playing, and it is a good spectacle. You know, it, there's some decent players. I feel the game will be okay, 
but he's just going to be overshadowed. And like you mentioned, the implications of Huddersfield having to name 13 players against the FC. It, so what they're going to do, they're just going to have two subs. This is the highest level of English rugby league. And you've got Super League, Huddersfield and Hull FC. One team has had to name a 13. That happens under 16s when you, people have been, you know, when they start going out to these house parties when they turn 15, 16, and you see teams when you go into the auction League with 12 players and they get hammered. This is why it's, it's just going to be overshadowed on Friday and it is such a shame and we'd love to hear what you guys think. Obviously, we are a Rovers podcast, but speak to us. We'll be putting stuff out about England and Combined Nations on Friday with no Rovers game, so speak to us about that. Obviously, it has been a packed show, lads. It's been great. We've got through some really hot topics and we can do a bit of a tipping league. Obviously, there are games called off. I didn't realise there were so many. I, I spoke to Chris about not doing one, but we will do one because we have got at least six games to do. So on Thursday night, guys, to finish up, I'll go to James first and then I'll ask Chris. There is three games on Thursday night, starting at the Menderhose Jungle, Castleford host Catalan. They're a bit hit and miss, Cass. I think they're putting all their eggs in the baskets for Wembley and rightly so. Rovers did it when we got there. I think they're, they're putting Jake Truman in cotton wool. They're playing a bit of a mixture, playing the young kids like that Jason Gary Gary who's been really good. But for me, I think because Catalans are missing Tam, um, Sam Tompkins and Tom Davis, and that's what we've got to look at in this realm, I think Castleford have too much from Catalan have got a lot of youngsters playing, which is great to see for the French game, James, but I think Castleford will be too strong for the Dragons. I don't know. I, th- I think you can toss a coin for all the games. There's that many key players missing on both sides. Casson and Gob McShane, have they? Um, is there anyone else from Casson? I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've, I, need to do, I need to do this for paper as well, and I've, I've just got no idea which way the game's going to go. I think you could, like I said, probably some blowout scores. That could Anything could happen this weekend. I'll um I'll go Catalan, I'll go with the form book. Chris? Yeah, well, there's not many Catalans in that exile squad, is there? No. Uh, <laughs> which beggars belief, you know, good quarantine. I d I don't know, some something I don't know. Yeah, well, going off on a tack, I, I did say, well, what's the sanctions for clubs who don't release players? And like you said, Joe, um Sheen said thirty or forty players were made unavailable for a variety of reasons. So Becomes a bigger farce anyway. I mean, the fact that some Sam Tomkins having to drive. drive when the bloody team are flying, obviously over for the oh, anyway. Okay, I don't know. It's often I, I can't get me around it. Anyway, I'm going Catalan to win. Catalan to win, perfect. Um, just across the road from Castleford at Wakefield, their host, the Wigan Warriors, coming off two defeats to the Catalan Dragons and of course Hull Kingston Rovers. I think Wakefield they're going to be missing. Riesling out the Joe Westerman, which baffles me them too. Kalepi Taganoa, this could be a miss. I just think because we're going to, going to be missing a few. I'm going to say Wakey. I don't know why. I just think there's going to be some shock results. I think Wakey again. I think we're going to struggle in at the minute. The fans want Adrian Lamb out, and I think they're going to add salt to the wounds, James. Yeah, again. Is no anyone? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't think there's ever been around like this. Has the maybe over Easter weekend, but yeah, it's just. It, with the squads and stuff, you just look through some of the squad lists and they're not even making up the 21 most of them. Obviously, you mentioned Huddersfield. Don't know how they, where they're going to get a few players from, maybe, maybe the local league. Um, but yeah, on this game, it's just so tough to predict. I'll probably go, oh, my vanity's wakey. Yeah, Chris? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to... 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for Wigan, and I, all, the only reason is I think Wigan can. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, Rovers beat them, so I'm, what I'm going to say is probably nonsense, but I think Wigan can afford to lose some of their better players, whereas I don't think Wakefield can. Um, I think Wakefield needs to have their best players out as much as possible, and, and Westerman, Lynn, you know, etc. missing might just tip it. So, and Wigan are smarting as well, you know, and, and sometimes Wigan are at, at their best when they're a wounded animal and they want to come out fighting, so I'll, I'll go for Wigan for this one. Yeah, and I think one that's probably pretty um, plain and simple, um, Warrington and Lee. You know, Lee have fielded an 18-man squad. I know Warrington are missing a few, but I, I just can't see Lee winning a game. Mate. This is the best opportunity probably on these games, but they're still missing Nathan Peaks, um, who was quite instrumental down the middle of the park. For me, plain and simple, Warrington, James. Yeah, again, it's a tricky one. Warrington are missing, well, half the team, really. So, yeah, Lee won't get a better chance to, to get off the mark and get a win this season. And if it don't come this weekend, I don't know if it will. So, yeah, yeah probably yeah. go Warrington because I think they played with a patched up side. It might have been at Salford last year. I can't remember if they won or not, but they went pretty close. So, yeah, I'll go Warrington. Chris? Yeah, I thought, to be fair, I thought Lee's best chance of victory was against the Bindippers on, on Saturday when they named the, was it, 18-man squad. Um I think Lee are pretty shit, aren't they? To be honest, yeah. I think I think that you can you can make an argument for them, but ultimately, in spells, they're in the game like they showed against Rovers. They can have twenty minute spells, but they just don't have the fitness, don't have the ability, don't have the consistency. And you know, I think I think really Warrington could be at fifty percent and probably still put thirty points past them. So Warrington for me. Yeah, on Friday night, obviously, it should have been Rovers against St Helens. That has been postponed for COVID reasons. Hull FC are in action against 13-man Huddersfield. Like James mentioned, what they're going to do, they might have to get people from Farnley Falcons, the local team, or one, or probably the under-19s will go on the bench. But for me, just because of that, mate, I think Hull, especially it's at KC, they've got fans, aren't they, and stuff. So I think Hull will pip it. Just obviously, Huddersfield are in dire straits with the numbers. James, do you want to go first, mate? Sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree, yeah. I think Hull yeah. have enough, although I don't know what kind of side they'll put out themselves, but they should have enough, shouldn't they? Chris, dare I ask you? Yeah, well, obviously, the, the Harlem shit trotters have had to go into the championship, haven't they, to start learning players. And oh, I disagree with Joe. I think playing in front of uh, their own fans won't necessarily help them because they end up booing after about 10 minutes. So, um, you know, I've, I don't know. I've... Like James said, it's these games are so hard to call. I think, obviously, um, oh, I don't know who we're going to go for. Uh, go Huddersfield. No, well, I think, I, I know Huddersfield have named the 30-man squad, but I think that's only because they're waiting for players to pass the COVID test. So, actually, the, I think they've got, have they got a provisional, something like 17 or 18, but it's just dependent on COVID results or COVID. Play, I don't know, play, players doing the isolation, etc. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go for all. Go for all, perfect. And then, obviously, the world-friendly international that is happening, England against the Combined Nations All-Stars. I don't know. This is. I think it could be close. Combined Nations will either be shit or they'll play off the cuff and it'll work for them. I'm going to be a bit controversial, I think, because of everything that's gone on during the week. And I think it's nailed on. I think the All-Stars might prove a point. I, I, I'm going to say it's going to be close, but I think Tim Sheens pulls a wizardry masterclass off, James. 
I, th- I think England. I just, I don't, I don't know. Again, it's just team, two teams put together, isn't it? England yeah. haven't had the game for that long, and yeah. I can see where you're coming from because in those key positions they've got some quality players, haven't they? The All Stars, and they've got Sate, who probably won't like to admit it's one of the form props in the comp. So they've got some decent players in there. It's just yeah, whoever turns up. Well, I think Sean Wayne will accept a defeat, so I'm going winning. But you imagine him blowing up? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> losing to that team. Chris. Yeah, well, I, hang on. I'm Chicken Saturday is not even one of the form props in the city. Never mind in Super League. <laughs> You can't help yourself, can you? No. Do you know what, mate? I, I like what Tim Sheen said about his ethos around he was only going to pick players from teams who were fully fit um, and, and who he knew could play at sort of full tilt so they're not carrying injuries. So I think it, Exiles will give England a really good team. And and let's be honest, this isn't really an England team either, is it? Because when you consider who's missing and who would feature from the NRL, it's, it's almost like a shadow team, isn't it? So... Yeah. Even that in itself means it's not a, a full England team. So, I think I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a good game. But I think I can see England probably just having enough to win maybe by even maybe four or six. You know, so I think it'll be really close. But I'll go for England. Yeah. And then quickly on Sunday, it's Salford against Leeds. And it's also Queensland against New South Wales. So, nice and quick. I think Leeds are going to beat Salford. And I think the Blues are going to put another 40-50 past the Maroons. They are too good. James, what happens in Manchester and what happens in Brisbane? I think Leeds will beat Salford. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know what kind of team they'll put out again. But I, I think they'll do them. Because I am being very, very impressed by Salford. To be honest, I don't know what Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll just go Leeds. And then, yeah, New South Wales to, to pump Queenslanders again. I think that's one of the best back lines I've ever seen. Yeah, ridiculous. Chris, finish it off. Yeah, I'll echo James. I'll, I'll uh, go with what he said. <laughs> nice <laughs> you must want that minibar. <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get him. That we'll leave now because he's got to um, upload the audio and get this put out in the next thirty-five minutes. But thank you, guys. It's been a great podcast. It's been good to speak about all the hot topics from Wigan, the brilliant victory for Ulkingston Rovers at the DW. Will we see Blake Austin? All the transfer rumours and the combined nations in England all stars fast. Unfortunately, there is no game for Ulkingston Rovers this week. We hope the Robins stay safe and the camp keeps getting some more negative results because we need it and we want to be back at Craven Park, if not next week for the Derby, but definitely in the foreseeable future. This has been the Red Robin podcast, guys, with me, Dropliad, Chris Johnson and James O'Brien. We hope you enjoy the show. We will see you very soon. And remember, this Saturday, 8am, the Andrew Heffernan Heritage Cast is out. Thanks, guys. See you later, Joe.